With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from The China Project and Caixin Global. We bring you the most critical business and finance news from China. I'm Kaiser Guo from The Seneca Podcast, part of The China Project. In this week's episode, Huawei spin-off Honor looks to challenge Apple and Samsung in Europe, and TikTok tries to make itself less addictive to teens. Plus, Mercedes pivots to EV battery recycling in China, and the country's richest woman succeeds her father as chairperson of property developer giant Country Garden. Let's jump right in. Chinese smartphone maker Honor is gearing up for an expansion in Europe this year, CEO Zhao Ming told Caixin at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. The Huawei spin-off is aiming to challenge Apple and Samsung's dominance in the region's premium phone market by partnering with European telecom operators. Zhao said he expects sales there to double annually over the next few years. At the event, the company also unveiled the global pricing for the Honor Magic VS, the first foldable phone from the company that it's selling outside of China. The phone will be available to overseas users starting at 1,599 euros or around 1,700 US dollars. Those of us familiar with Honor's history know that it was first established by Huawei as a low-end sub-brand in the early 2010s. In 2020, amid mounting US sanctions, it was sold to a Chinese government-backed consortium in exchange for an opportunity to keep the brand's industry chain intact. Honor has since rebuilt its presence and has grown to be the second largest smartphone maker in the domestic market by shipments, outperforming foreign competitors such as Apple. In other Huawei-linked news, the telecom giant is currently locked in an IP tussle with Chinese smartphone maker Xiaomi over license and patent disputes. Huawei has accused Xiaomi of infringing on four of its patents, two of which are standard essential patents, SEPs, about 4G technology. SEPs are patents that protect an industry standard. The case has been accepted by the National Intellectual Property Administration, and Xiaomi said the two companies are currently in talks to resolve the dispute. Next up, TikTok is trying to make itself less addictive to younger users. The short video app will automatically impose a 60-minute time limit for users under the age of 18 
to address concerns about its impact on teens. If they want to binge more than an hour of videos at one time, they will be required to enter a password, the company said this week. Parents can also monitor the amount of time their children spend on the app and see the number of times it was opened. Similar curbs are already in place for TikTok's Chinese cousin Douyin, both operated by ByteDance. While restrictions are easier to enforce in China, thanks to strict rules around real name registration, it's unclear whether TikTok's measures will be as effective in the U.S., where children may be able to opt out of the restrictions or set their own passwords to unlock accounts. TikTok users spend an average of 95 minutes a day on the app, according to an estimate last year, far exceeding its global rivals. Its personalized feed keeps users hooked and helps generate revenue through selling ads. It's also drawn concerns from policymakers. In the U.S., legal entities are weighing the adverse impact of TikTok's marketing on young people, and Congress has gone further weighing a ban on the app over alleged national security risks. The Biden administration is also conducting its own review of the company. Meanwhile, the European Commission just barred its staff from using TikTok. Moving on to China's auto sector, a joint venture between Volkswagen and Chinese automaker Anhui Jianghuai, more commonly known as JAC, has unveiled a car powered by sodium-ion batteries, the first of its kind. The demo car, which was unveiled at an industry seminar last month, is fitted with a 25-kilowatt-hour sodium-ion battery pack capable of going as fast as 252 kilometers on a single charge. The advantage of sodium-ion batteries is that they are cheaper to produce than their lithium-based peers that are used in most EVs. They don't rely on problematic metals like cobalt and nickel, and, according to industry experts, they recharge faster and perform better at low temperatures. The joint venture plans to mass-produce the compact five-seat passenger car and bring it to market within one to two years. Staying with electric vehicles, Mercedes-Benz has joined the drive into EV battery recycling in China. The luxury German carmaker signed a deal with recycling specialist GEM Company and battery giant CATL to set up a closed-loop recycling project. GEM will extract nickel, cobalt, manganese, and lithium from discarded Mercedes EV batteries, and CATL will then use the materials in new batteries for the automaker. Waste batteries can be recycled in two ways. Those with relatively high capacity can be reused in lower-speed EVs or for energy storage. The rest are disassembled with their raw materials extracted for use in new batteries. Under current industry rules, EV batteries should be discarded and recycled if their capacity falls below 80% of the originally designed amount. And as the world's largest EV market with more than 11 million new energy vehicles, there will be millions of retiring batteries in need of recycling in China each year. Moving on to a personnel change at China's top real estate developer. Yang Huiyan, China's richest woman, has taken her father's title as chairperson of Country Garden Holdings, the country's largest developer by sales last year, after serving alongside him as co-chair since 2018. Young Kwok has tendered his resignation because of his age, the company said in an exchange filing. 
He will stay on as a special advisor to the company. Li Ning, a Chinese economist known for advocating for private investment in state-owned enterprises, died on Monday at the age of 92. Li was among the first scholars to push for reforming China's corporate shareholding system. In the early days of China's reform and opening, he proposed allowing joint stock enterprises to be established to spur job growth. Li also oversaw the creation of China's first securities law, which was passed in 1998. Li earned an economics degree in 1955 from the elite Peking University, where he would teach for the rest of his life. Li mentored Chinese Premier Li Keqiang when he was pursuing a PhD at the university about three decades ago. Let's turn now to Caixin Global Finance reporter Zhang Yukun, who joins us again this week to tell us about an incident that reveals quite a bit about the fiscal difficulties faced by local governments. Great to have you back, Yukun. Always enjoy speaking with you. Thanks for having me again, Kaiser. Great to be back so soon. So today we're going to talk about an incident that happened in a city called Shangqiu, in central China's Henan province. The largest bus operator in the city said it would suspend services due to heavy losses, but later rescinded the decision after the government offered to help. That got quite a bit of attention, both from the Chinese media, but also on Twitter. Uh, So what exactly happened? Okay, let me start by telling you a bit about where this happened. Shangqiu is a city with 7.7 million people, and that's not very large by China's standard. Actually, the history of this region dates back to Shang Dynasty, one of the legendary ancient dynasties at the earliest days of Chinese civilization. That's more than 3,000 years ago. So the name of the bus operator is Shangqiu Public Transportation. In 2021, it employed more than 1,800 people, according to public business records. On Thursday morning last week, the company published an announcement on its WeChat account that said, Due to the impacts from factors including the pandemic, changes in the country's new energy vehicle subsidy policy, and the lack of fiscal subsidies, the company suffered heavy losses and had extreme difficulties in operating. The company said that they couldn't afford to pay salaries or social insurance contributions for its employees, vehicle insurance, or electricity bills to charge buses. So as a result, the company said it planned to suspend the operation of inner-city bus routes in Shangqiu starting the first day of March. Wow, so people weren't able to take the bus then? And, and I believe there is not a subway system in Shangqiu, is that, is that correct? That's right, there's no subway there. But actually, the bus company retracted its statement a few hours later. It published another statement through a government social media account saying that it will, quote, overcome difficulties to ensure that buses won't stop running and the public's mobility won't be affected, end quote. Around the same time, the local government also put out an announcement saying that it has sent a task force to the bus company to examine the matter and help resolve the difficulties. And on Saturday last week, a bus driver in Shangqiu told media that employees of the bus company received their salary payments Shangqiu Public Transportation later confirmed to Caixin that a few months' salaries it owed to employees had all been paid. So to answer your question, Kaiser, buses are still running in Shangqiu. So a pretty close call, but no actual suspension then of service. I can't even imagine the disruption that would have caused. So, so how is the Shangqiu government helping the bus company? 
That we don't know. But the government said in that announcement that it has been subsidizing the bus operator since it was privatized from a state-owned company in 2006. So let me make sure I understand this. It's a private company providing public bus transportation, right? Yes, but it relies heavily on government funding to offer rides at subsidized prices. So when local governments don't have enough money to spend on public transit, these companies are at a loss to find alternative funding. Generally speaking, they can't hike the prices of rides without going through the government. I see. I see. So, what is the situation then with Shangqiu's finances? The government of Shangqiu, just like many other local governments, was on a tight budget last year. Budget reports of the Shangqiu government's transportation department show that in 2021, it handed out 6.5 million yuan in public transit subsidies, but only budgeted 3.3 million yuan in the same category for last year. Okay, got it. I imagine that recent disruptions have put a lot of governments and thus transportation providers under similar stress. Yes, Shangqiu isn't the only place where public transit operators buckled under financial stress. Similar stories have been reported in provinces including Liaoning, Guangdong, and Shanxi. One case that triggered public uproar last year took place in Lanzhou, the capital city of the northwestern province of Gansu. In September. A state-owned public transit operator there told employees that they could take out customized loans from a local bank to cover their own salaries from June to September, and this comes down to the fiscal strains of local governments. If we take a look at the provincial data from last year, 22 out of the 31 provincial-level regions on the Chinese mainland saw their revenue in the general public budget shrink compared with 2021. Local fiscal revenue growth has slowed for years, even before the pandemic, partly due to tax reduction and refund policies. But costly COVID controls have made everything worse, and they disrupted economic activities and tax revenue. So, what happened in Shangqiu in in Henan might happen again in other cities. I won't be surprised if we hear similar stories in the future. And honestly, you can see a pattern here. A public transit company tells the public how much financial trouble it's in, and the government will, of course, rushes in to help and manage the PR crisis. But on the other hand, it is because of these incidents that we get the opportunity to see how fiscal problems are affecting things on the ground in China. Th- thanks for helping us make sense of this. You could great insights into this piece of the bigger picture. My pleasure, as always. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief was produced this week by Kaiser Guo and by Kelsey Chung, Lin Jinbing, Michael Bellart, and Zhang Wang at Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts in the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.